0: So we're going to turn now to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. We'll have it up on the screens. And I want you to hear that the end of this Christmas story as Luke gives his account. Hear this word. "'When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "'Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened.'" which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Pray with me, will you? God, we thank you so much for the gift of Christmas, Lord. God, we know that this this evening, we don't just gather with millions around the world who are singing praises to your name, but we gather with the angels. Lord, and so we ask that as we hear from your word tonight and we, we, we think about this story again, that you would make it fall afresh on us. God, we just pray that you would take all the the distractions of this moment away, Lord, and for the next few minutes, would you help us to just consider what it is to have Emmanuel, God, with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I have a Christmas question for you, and my Christmas question is this. When was the last time you stopped to wonder at the story of Christmas. I don't mean just read through it. I don't mean just sit through it. I don't don't mean just get through it. I mean, when was the last time you stopped to truly sit in awe about what it is that we just heard? Maybe it's never hit you and that's okay, but just hear me out. We know the story, right? The shepherds, the wise men, angels, the star, it's been commercialized and commodified over and over, so much so that it's ingrained in us in December. We, we sing Christmas carols and we get greeting cards. We've heard it. The last night I was sitting in front of our Christmas tree at my house. Everyone's gone to bed. The lights are out and the, the trees are aglow. And I opened up this story again. about halfway through I thought, Man, what would it be like to read that for the first time? I've been sitting with that all day today, and I want to just invite you into my headspace, which can be a scary thing. But just pause with me from all the distraction, whatever it is that's in your mind, and just wonder with me. Because here's the reality, right? Christmas Eve by default comes with a lot of wondering. In fact, just this, this evening, some of us have been doing it in real time. We're wondering whether or not we should put the prime rib in the oven at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock tomorrow. Or We're wondering if we got the right gift for that loved one. Maybe we're wondering if we're we're ever going to get everything done before midnight tonight. I want to invite you to wonder about something a bit different. Just sit with this for a minute. Let's just start here. Wonder with me what it would have been like to be a shepherd. Just imagine the task of keeping watch over your flock in the pitch black of night with predators lurking around you in every shadow, with your senses on high alert. A shepherd's job was to to care for the most helpless and stubborn animal on the planet. And at that time, remember, shepherds were like fringe people. They were categorized in society as thieves, robbers, and outcasts. Shepherds were so despised and rejected they couldn't even be a witness in a court case they were nothings now just ponder this with me right an angel comes to these shadow figures these shepherds of the night and God takes these humble marginal people and of all the recipients he could have chosen he gives them the greatest news on earth you ever stop to ponder that to be in awe of that Look again at the message that the angel brings. Look at this in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Ask this with me. What child is this? This angel of the Lord is hovering in the glory of God, and he tells these shepherds, this will be your sign. In other words, this is who you should go look for. Go and search for a baby. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, here's my thought. A sign communicates something, right? A sign conveys meaning beyond itself. You agree? If you have a fever, it's a sign that you're sick. Right, If you come to a stop sign in the middle of the road, that's a sign that there's a crossroads before you. If you get home tonight and there's smoke coming out of the oven, that's a sign you're going to have Chinese food for Christmas Eve. So we should ask then, what does this sign given by this angel teach us about who Jesus is? See, There are three very specific things about this sign. First, we know it's going to be a child. Second, we know he's going to be wrapped in swaddling claws. Third, he'll be lying in a manger. Now stay with me. Help me find the significance here. Two of those signs are so ordinary that every child in Bethlehem would have fit the description, right? I mean, for centuries before, still today, every infant I can think of, minutes after they're born, what happens to them? They're wrapped up. Covered in cloth and handed to their mother, right? This is universal. And I got to thinking, you know, had the angels stopped there with just those two, this would have been a wild goose chase. There was probably dozens of children wrapped in swaddling cloths all over Bethlehem. I mean, if I said to you, go and find the child in Bozeman wearing a coat tonight, you'd look at me like I was crazy, right? So, what's the differentiator? It is that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. But the sign of Christmas is that he's lying in a manger. Now, here's where I want to you, invite you to, to wonder with me. Just take this in. The most incredible news ever given in the history of the world. And who does God give it to? To nobodies, right? To never has-beens, to shepherds. And now the most miraculous birth ever known on this planet. And what is the sign? How will they find the child? They find him in a feeding trough. Remember, a manger was filthy. You know, we've romanticized this so much. We we think of Jesus born with peppermint and vanilla wafting in the air. But we should really think like manure and stench. And I want you to see this evening that there's at least two things that I think a manger teaches us about who Jesus is and what he came to do. There's there's two things that we can glean from that sign. Let's start here. Here's the first one. How about this? First, the manger teaches us that this child gets us. In fact, the manger tells us Jesus understands everything about you. You know, I would argue one of the greatest longings of the human heart, the human soul, is to to be understood, right? Whether you are a shepherd or a king, there is a part of all of us that longs to be known. If you've ever tried to care for someone going through a really rough patch, you know, one of the first things you'll hear out of their mouth is, you just don't understand. You don't understand what I've been through. You, You don't understand what it is to be me, what I feel like. And that might be true, right? But let me tell you something about the manger, The manger proves to us that God knows exactly what it is to be you. That though he was God, he emptied himself, the book of Philippians tells us, being born in the likeness of you and I. God wasn't some clockmaker God who wound up the world and then watched it go. He came to be one of us. So again, just ponder this with me. You know, for some of us, tonight can be a lonely night even with all the crowds gathered around, you can feel like, man, I feel alone in my space, struggling maybe with mental health. Did you know, did you know that Jesus joins you in that? That he was laughed at, he was betrayed, alone in the end of his life? Or maybe you've been facing temptation. You know, Jesus was tempted too, tested in every way that we were, but was without sin, Maybe it's financial. I spoke to a young lady at the grocery store just the other day and she told me she was struggling to get into the mood of Christmas. I said, what's that about? She said, dude, this inflation thing, every time I ring somebody up, the shock hits them, I can see it in their face. Jesus had no place to lay his head, he was so broke. Maybe you recently lost a loved one and you just wanna hit the fast forward button tonight. You know, I'm reminded Jesus had this friend named Lazarus who died, and when he realized it, he wept. See, here's what I'm trying to say, right? There is a reason that we call this man Wonderful Counselor. He knows what it is to be us. He he is perfectly positioned from that manger to meet you right where you are right now. In fact, scholars say that when Joseph and Mary went looking for this place to stay, it probably wasn't an inn. It was probably something more like a, a Palestinian home. In any given home in that region, there would have been three rooms. First, the family room, the large central room. And then with that would be a half wall that would lead to a, 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 a stable room where the animals were kept. And off the side of that, either upstairs or downstairs, there would be a, a guest room. So it makes sense, right, that when the family finally arrives, the the guest room is booked, things are crazy, so they go with the next best plan. And by God's providence, that plan now becomes a sign to us. There's something. There has to be something overwhelming about it. A God who would choose such a humble entrance into the world. There is something incredible about that, that as you really ponder it, it should cause you to wonder. Just contrast Christ with Caesar Augustus. You know, Luke 2 tells us, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar that all the world should be registered. Now Caesar, though he was a weird man, he thought of himself as God. His very name means majestic or holy, Caesar was one of the first emperors in Rome to form a cult that literally worshiped at his feet. He had inscribed on stone with the words, the beginning of good news under his name. This, This man, he boasted in turning a city of bricks into a city of marble. Meanwhile, the shepherds find this child, not in a palace, not in ivory or gold, but in a barn, I mean, it's paradoxical, right? This is profound. And here's why. The manger teaches us that God is with us, that he took on flesh, that the the king is among us. And in so doing, he proves then that he gets us from the least to the greatest of us. But here's the best part. And here's my second point. The manger shows us that the one who gets us then came to save us. If you choose to believe it, make no mistake about this. Here's what God's word teaches. This child who we've come to worship tonight, he not only knows everything about you, your deepest longings, your darkest shadows, your trials, your struggles, your sin. He also loves you enough not to leave you in that place. I love, I love how every year we think the shepherds went to find Jesus. I mean, if you really think about the story, Jesus had come to find them. The angels tell these shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which should beg the question, Savior from what? You'll remember the story, Christmas Eve 1914 in the trenches of Belgium amid the, the First World War. This man named Bruce Barnes, father, he, he gives this account that it was freezing cold. His boots were covered in mud. His face was slathered in this, this wet clay. He said as he sat under the stars, he knew the only way out of his misery was by ambulance. And at about 10 p.m., as he was sort of drifting off to sleep, he he heard the Germans on the other side of no man's land beginning to sing these songs. He couldn't make out the words, but he knew the tunes. And he said the allies gathered with him in the trenches. They they knew them too. In fact, they started to sing along in their own language. Soon, Bruce said he heard someone yell from the, the other trenches, Come over here one of the British sergeants yelled back to the Germans, you come halfway and we'll come halfway. And after some tense tense silence, these two leaders, they, they began to walk out of their trenches. Soon came handshakes and then more singing. And before the night was over, enemies are sharing food and drink. I mean, ask it with me. What child is this? Who is this savior who can take hatred and turn it into acts of kindness? Who who is this man who takes enemies and brings them together in the midst of battle? See, and here's what we should marvel at, right? That kind of reconciliation began in a manger. See, the birth of Christ points us to this fact that Jesus came to reconcile the world, not just to each other, but ultimately to himself. We were enemies of the Lord, the Bible tells us. Lost in our sin. The manger came to change that. See, that's the wonder of Christmas. This child, he not only comes that he would get us, he comes to save us, forgive us. So these shepherds, they they hear this, this good news and we're told they run, they make haste, they're sprinting for Bethlehem. And when they saw it, Luke says, they told everyone they had heard, everyone that they knew about what they had heard in that angelic sky and then comes my favorite part of the christmas story and all who heard it wondered wondered at what the shepherds told them marvelled in astonishment amazed in awe this boy laying in this humble straw he leads us to wonder to praise, to worship, to give him glory. And I want you to know, if you've never been in that place before, tonight, by God's very own word, Jesus invites you there. See, the sign of the manger is pointless. It is meaningless without the cross. And so here's my challenge to you. As you hold that, that Christmas candle in the air, make it a statement of faith. And as you see all the light spread in the room, the light shining in the darkness, remember this. It began in a lowly manger for you and for me. That's why we've come to worship tonight, friends. Pray with me. God, may we Never lose sight of your wonder. Lord, we pray, would you forgive us when we've made this story just a, another repetitive tradition. God, would you help us to, to remember tonight what it is that you came, almighty, everlasting God, down in a lowly manger. God, would you keep us mindful that that you are with us by that son, that you get us, that you know us, Lord. But more than anything, would you help us to understand what it is that you came to save us? So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of Christmas, Lord. We thank you for what we've come to celebrate tonight. And God, we pray as we leave this place that we would be changed, not just in this moment, Lord, but for our entire lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.